don't know, dude, is Rodney out there anywhere? Did he decide to slip out on this? I was just telling Jay because uh, they were together on this, and, and uh, Jerry shared something interesting here. Uh, Jake said that Rodney said I was uh, I'm excited about taking this or something like this. I think if I remember telling Rodney uh, when he told me the word submission, I'm like, seriously? I mean, we're going through a time where we're going through our, our, uh, our um, church rules and regulations and different things like that. And, you know, uh, I can't say that, that I am the perfect example to this word. Uh, I could probably work against things a little easier than I can. First of all, I don't like change. To submit to change is a hard thing. But anyhow, I'm kind of with Jerry. You know, uh, too often we get the the thinking that, you know, there's plenty of other people who can do this better. So basically, I, I felt a lot like Jerry did. I remember being in program committees and various things where you're asking people, and it's like it gets so frustrating because, you know, you don't have a lot of people saying, here I am, send me. And, and we need more, more of that, that attitude. So I'm not necessarily taking this out of, out of dread or, re, or regret. Don't, 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 uh, get that out of what I had to share here. But, uh, submission is a, is an important thing. And, uh, you know, we just sang that first song, you know, speak of Lord of love, love and how we are adoring God and, and that type of stuff. And, and are we? You know, is our action showing that when we go out around other people? And Jerry kind of gave you some hors d'oeuvres because I was like, oh, no, he's going to give my topic <laughs> when he started on submission. Because I, uh, a lot of the same same thoughts came to my mind. Where where do I go with this? How how do I go with this? And and the first one comes out to, to that of submitting with authority. And I found a story on a, a minister... Kind of reminds me of myself, because, uh, you know, you get Chicago in there and you had a Ford Fusion mentioned. So those two things, you know, that draws my attention because I worked close to Chicago and I love Fords. Um, but that wasn't exactly all of it, but it, it's, it's, it's a great thought. It says, recently he made several trips to the Chicago O'Hare Airport to pick up travelers. And I think we're all familiar with going around Chicago, if you've ever gone around Chicago. And... Uh, and so that's, again, why I like this story. But made s- several trips. The speed limit on I-90 in Rockford Airport is 70 miles per hour. So uh, he sets his cruise control to 78 miles per hour because he feels that then he can be um, closer to Chicago and get back home a lot sooner. Then he notices, well, my fellow drivers are doing the same thing. Uh, they had the same idea. But here he used this example to illustrate how easy it was for me and others on the road to break the law. And I had a reminder of that in the, at a younger age when I was uh, coming home from work. I was tired. It would be nice to get home. And I wound up getting, I really debated whether I was going that fast, but I got a, I think it was, uh, was it a 70 mile an hour ticket in a 55 mile zone? That was a little over $100. And, and, uh, so I told officers I will be sure to start using my cruise control after this because I didn't like to give money to my government for that kind of stuff. Um, and it really wasn't my intention, but it happened. And, you know, so I remember getting up in church and, and, and confessing that as sin because, you know, I was breaking the law. 
What is our attitude on that? You know, I'm looking at the topic of submission, and what is my attitude to the laws of our land? So anyhow, you know, it says uh, we refuse to let authority tell us how fast to drive. In other words, we refuse to submit to the law governing our driving. And why should I have given this a second thought? He says, I thought about St. Paul, what St. Paul has to say on the matter. Let everyone be subject to governing authorities. So I want to read from Romans 13, chapter 1. It says, For there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever this therefore resisteth that the power resisteth the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For the rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Wilt thou then be afraid of the, of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise the same. For he is a minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain, for he is a minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon wrath, upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore, ye must needs be subject not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. And it's that last verse, little thought that was given here, for conscience sake, what are our consciences like? You know, uh, I... Fortunately, the Holy Spirit worked on me, and I confessed where I was wrong in, in, in what I did there. I had a person tell me, you know what, I could have taken that ticket and taken care of it for you. You know, that would have felt pretty good to keep $100 in my pocket. Maybe that's what I should have done as a good steward. But again, I deserved what I got, and I paid my the, the cost. You know, do we as Christians, do we, you know, what what does our driving look like? What does our What does our following the, the rules and regulations around us, say to our neighbors and our friends and that, you know, do we get the permits we need to do certain things? You know, a lot of stuff I see that we're being asked in the world in which we're living in today is frustrating and, and doesn't make sense. But, again, we're seeing that, you know, governments are given here for a reason and purposes. What is our our response to them? And how easy is it for us to try and bypass them? And, you know, what is our conscience is like? Do we do it for conscience sake? Um, <clears throat> problem with submission is we neither obey, obey the law, and this is a lot thinking about God's law, you know, before Christ, um, you know, it spoke of things that was winked at and stuff like that, but, uh, but we can't, obey before we have been reconciled to God and justified and then reborn. I like that thought. You know, God has to do something in my life to give me a conscience to say, you know, Lord, help me to be submissive to my authorities. Help me to be submissive to my church leaders. Help me to be submissive to my case was a non-Christian father in things. And and I remember a story with Dad because because. One thing is, you know, when I studied this, you know, we had a lesson today where, you know, they said, and one of my favorite verses, but I cannot speak to things which I've seen and heard. Now, if my government asked me to quit talking about Jesus in a certain place, I remember in work one time, uh, there was an issue came up about homosexuality, and I gave my my opinion on it. And, uh, you know, we're not so free to talk as we were at one time. Do we still, are we still afraid to voice some of the things that God lays on our heart to share. I remember my dad used to ask me to drive down to the store and buy cigarettes. I was underage. 
for him, not myself. And uh, finally, I had to sit down with him after I became a Christian and say, well, uh, Dad, we need to have a discussion. And, and uh, I told him, I said, you know, you don't want me smoking, you don't want me drinking, all this kind of stuff. But now, and I, I enjoyed doing it because, you know, I had just got my driver's license. And I had a chance to drive a couple miles with the car. So that was a, that was a good part, for, a good thing for me. I thought it was cool. But then I started again, this conscience, I started realizing what I'm doing is wrong. So I had to talk to my dad. I had to talk to my authority and say, hey, you know, this is wrong. And fortunately, I had a, a loving father because he sat there and kind of turned that around in his head. And he says, you know what, you're right. He was asking me to break the law. They were selling me cigarettes at a younger age and also doing something that was against Christian principles. And I had been saved at that time. So, you know, again, you know, how do we work with authority? How do we uh, work on things? Um, left to our own devices, sinful man will always be lawless. Uh, and I think we're seeing that in the world in which we're living in today. This disregard for God's law explains the need for a Savior. So through this, through this thought of submission, our only chance is through Jesus Christ. Um, only the uh, Jesus can transform our disobedient, lawlessness in which we are. Submissive citizens of heaven and earth, a sinner desires to satisfy corrupt nature by indulging in lawlessness, lawlessness and he rebels. His he relishes rebellion against God and His commands. And I think that's what we've seen in our life before we became a Christian. Um, this thought here was given where Christians struggle with submitting to authority, including teachers and bosses, government officials. Um, that reflect our rebellious attitude towards God's laws and his kingdom. But again, through the regeneration of the Holy Spirit, Christians possess a renewed mind. I had to think of Romans 12, 2. I'm going to have to turn to that now. I should have had it marked here. It's one of my favorite verses again, but... I beseech you therefore, no, that's presented by Romans 12, 2 says it like this. He says, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, how does that fall into submission? You know, but, but again, it, it takes that renewed and, and that renewed mind. You know, I think about. I used to listen to, to people say, well, you know, the bosses would come to work and they'd tell you to do something or this and that would happen. They'd say, well, who is this guy to tell us what to do or to, to force us into something that we don't want to do? They put their pants on just like I do. And I was like, yeah, you know what? That's an interesting thought that you just, just told me. They do put their, their pants on the same way I do. And I know there's men in here that's got jobs of authority where they have to deal with other people. But I said, you know, the interesting thing about it is I've had the blessing to grow up with a man that is in authority here, and he puts his pants on the same way I do, but, you know, when he goes to bed, he's thinking about the operation of Ford Motor Company, and then when he gets up in the morning, he's thinking about the operation of Ford Motor Company. When I go to bed, I forget about it, and when I get up in the morning, I'm like, oh, do I have to go to work? So, you know, those in authority have a lot of responsibility over us. Do we have this transformed and this renewed mind to where all of a sudden we start thinking, you know what, God, can I as a Christian go to my job 
and be submissive to what my boss wants me to do? Can I, can I do things that promote and show that I'm part of a kingdom, part of a different world, have a different mindset to those around me than, than what the average person has? You know, do we have that renewed mind and that renewed conscience? The word submission makes Christians uncomfortable, and I thought about that when they gave me this word. I was like, really? That's what you guys want? Submission. Uh, I like this thought. They squirm and murmur against the appearance and justice of it. And it's a difficult thing to have to to accept whenever there's we're asked to do something we don't want to do. Uh, I squirmed a little bit with this topic. I remember a couple weeks ago, I have got a non-Christian cousin that I was asked to preach his funeral service for him. And I told Laurel, I said, at that time, I understood a little bit more of what uh, Jonah was feeling. I wanted to crawl under a rock somewhere and hide because I didn't want to share what God laid on my heart. And, and that's what I told the family. I said, I said, the only way I can do this is if you let me, if you let me share my heart. And I knew that was little bit contrary to what the type of lives these people were living but but I couldn't do it without that and and uh, I shook when I was up front of those people but Laurel told me that there was some responses out there because God was God was taking care of it but it was you know I had to be submissive and say Lord I'll yeah I'll, I'll get up and do it I don't want to you know um, but I'd get up and do it and I'm not sure what the outcome will ever be in the other people's lives, but but it's not something that we're comfortable with. We do, I don't. I'm I'm sure there's. I don't know what your thoughts are. Jerry told me, and I noticed it doesn't do any good to ask questions, and that would be a hard question. Is you know how well are you submissive? Um, somewhere along the line, Christians have come to the false notion about what uh, submission in the Bible means, and it says thanks to. The attacks on the Bible idea of of submission, Christians have come to think that submission is oppressive. And you know, um, when the topic comes up, the worldly point of the the passage in Ephesians, wives submit to your own husbands, the the world cries foul. They brand the verses sexist or even rant at the passage as a justification for husbands mistreating and abusing their wives. And I don't know if you've ever been in any of those conversations but that's how it is. You know, we've been accused of, of bigots and stuff like that. But the biggest problem is, is, is the fact that they don't understand, and as Jerry was saying, they don't understand the principles of what this fact is trying to show us and what this fact means. And I got these verses in Ephesians 5, verses 21 through 27 here. It says, Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Now, when I start with Ephesians 5, I don't see words where it speaks about a wife, a wife in that part, but one to another. You know, and as we're going through our, our um, church rules and, and what we want to be as a brotherhood, you know, are we, are we feeling what one another is feeling? Are we concerned about each other? And are we making our decisions in the fear of God? It says, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as unto the Lord. <clears throat> for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. So, you know, my wife's got a lot of responsibility because whatever I say goes, right, babe? 
I got a smile out of her, so that's better than what Jerry was getting out of the rest of us. But that's, that's not what it's saying here. But when you read the verse, sometimes that's what you get the idea. You know, you submit because now I'm married to you. But um, it says then later on, so let, so let wives be to their own husbands and everything. But then in verse 25, it gets a little bit more personal to us men. It says, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church, gave himself for it, that he might sanctify it and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. You know, I guess it, what, what it's saying here is, is, is what the next thought has given us men to try to make something of our wives, try to, try to encourage them and, and, and make them beautiful. I know there's been topics in uh, Nationwide. I wish I could share some of the thoughts there because, you know, it laid a lot of responsibility on us husbands to make the wives something of importance, something of value, as Christ did with the church, it says. Christ has made us something valuable. He's put a brotherhood together that, I guess, thinking of the church, since I worked in a, a community of, of a lot of non-Christian people, they were amazed how the Amish men could come together and they'd build a building that come with scraps on the ground and the next morning you'd wake up and there was a barn. That was their thinking. I don't know if it's always that way. But think about that. If the church functioned like that, if we had the unity to where we were working together and building building something great and on the same track, because, you know, these guys, you had a bunch of different ideas. You got a bunch of different thoughts coming in. If they all sat down and started arguing about how they were going to start the foundation and do this and do that and had to make decisions on, on everything, then that barn the next morning probably wouldn't be there. But they came in with the same mind. They knew that we had a barn that needed to go up, so those that had the talent to jump in and start putting foundations and whatever together, they make it happen. And that's, I think, uh, an illustration of what Christ wants to do with the church. That's what Christ wants to see in our homes, us working together. And... Um, it says that he might sanctify it for himself and that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. <clears throat> they might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but it should be holy and without blemish. <clears throat> Excuse me here. Uh. So according to Paul, uh, uh, <clears throat> faithful husband is willing to lay down his life for his wife. That's what, what the church was. Uh, he abandons his own wills and affections. And I think that was the important thought that I was thinking about. When we look at submission, again, and, uh, yeah, Submitting means putting others before yourself. It means not always doing what you want to do. It means putting God's desires above your desires. You know, again, is that what our marriage relationships look like? Do we put our wives, do we put our family before us? Are we concerned? Loving our wives as our own bodies in Ephesians. A loving husband submits his will to that of Christ, and in so doing, Im- imitates him in marriage relationship. In this context, a wife willingly surrenders to her husband 
just as her husband chooses to surrender his will to Christ. Submission based on love brings peace and harmony to the family and to the church. Biblical submission fosters a right relationship with God and spouses and others. In the Ephesian passage, Paul uses marriage to illustrate the perfect eternal submission of the three persons of Trinity. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking of Christ and the church. So, again, when we, when we look at that, you know, it all seems to draw us back to, are we willing to submit to God's will? Are we willing to do what God is asking us to do um, in building the church and, and supporting one another? I wanted to look at, at, uh, at Christ in this thought here of his submission. I think that's a perfect example of what submission is all about. <clears throat> it says Christ lived in per- perfect submission and and uh, and he was willing to come to this earth and 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 become flesh and dwell among us. We've seen that in in John 1:14 and and he was willing to enter this world of fallen man and to lay down his life on the cross. And it wasn't a pretty picture set before him. He was going to come and live a persecuted life and an uncomfortable life. He chose to place himself under the the authority of the Father. Let's look at Philippians uh, 2. I've got verses 5 through 7. It says, Let this mind be in you, which also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God but made of himself of no reputation. He took upon him the form of a servant as was made in the likeness of men. Hebrews 5, verse 7 and 8, it says, Who in the days of his flesh, when he offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save from death and was heard in that he feared, Though he were a son, yet he learned obedience through the things which he suffered. And I wanted to read Matthew uh, 26, verses 36 to 46 in, in illustration of this. <clears throat> I don't think we can go to anyone much better when we're looking at an example of, of what submission looks like. And sometimes... I think I fall so short of it because if I was asked to do the same job that Christ was asked, would I be able to make it to the end? Excuse me. It says, Then cometh Jesus with them to the place called Gethsemane, and said unto his disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Jebedee, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. So Christ at this time now, and I'm talking about submission, at this time Christ was in the reality and facing the cross. And that I think that was heavy on his mind. That was heavy on his thoughts. This is not going to be a good experience. Christ was in the flesh. I think he knew what it meant to feel pain and to suffer sorrow and various uh, emotions that we had. 
And it says that his heart was very heavy. And then saith he unto them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here, and watch with me. And he went a little further, and fell on his face, and prayed, saying, O Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he came again to his disciples, and findeth them asleep, and said unto Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing. <coughs> Excuse me. Yes, I do need it. <coughs> but the flesh is weak. <coughs> he went away again the second time and prayed and saying, O oh, my father, if this cup may may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, and their eyes were heavy. And he left them and went away again and prayed the third time, saying these words. Then cometh he to his disciples, sleep now, and take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand. The Son of Man is betrayed at the hands of the sinners. Excuse me. I guess that's where I wanted to, to, to stop there. But, you know, the garden experience was not an easy thing for Jesus to, to, to take. We know that Jesus could have called 10,000 angels. Jesus didn't have to walk that walk. But Jesus was doing that for you and me. You know... <clears throat> We saw the, the, the thought of loving our wives, that we would lay down our lives for our wives. Did I say loving our lives? I, loving our wives. We would lay down our lives for our wives. Would we do that? Are we willing to lay down our lives for our church? <coughs> Paul, Charles Spurgeon wrote, A lack of submission is no... New or rare fault in mankind. Ever since the fall, it has been the root of all sin. From the moment when our mother Eve stretched out her hand to pluck the forbidden fruit, her husband joined her in setting up the human will against the divine. The sons of men have universally been guilty of a lack of conformity to the will of God. They choose their own way and will not submit their wills. They think their own thoughts and will not submit their understanding. They love earthly things and will not submit their affections. Man wants his own law. He wants to be his own master. Christian submission is not an act of human will. It is divine work. We can submit to God's authorities and his will only through the power of the Holy Spirit and Christ. Christ imputes his righteousness to believers, so the work of submission is faith. Through faith in Christ, we receive his righteousness as our own and keep his commandments through the power of the Holy Spirit. Furthermore, Christ's eternity intercedes on our behalf before the Father. Christ empowers us to follow him in submission. Excuse me. Now for a few closing thoughts. Here's one 
on submitting to rulers, Hebrews 13, 17, it says, Obey them that have the rule over you, and submit yourselves, for they watch for, or this is to the leaders of our church. <clears throat> and I know I used this in a, a topic a long time ago when I was trying to help a church prepare for leadership, but it says, Obey them that have the rule over you, and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they that must give an account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief. For that is unprofitable for you. Let every soul be subject unto higher powers. You know, how do you view your ministers of your church? Do you view them as men that are watching over your soul? Do you realize they have an extra responsibility laid on their shoulders? <coughs> Excuse me. I don't know where anywhere is in the word that says that I'm responsible for your soul, except for what I'm sharing up here. I'm ex- responsible for the words I share. So our leaders of our church, when these men stand up here and get ordained, uh, they're getting a lot of responsibility putting on their shoulders. And how are we as a congregation willing to submit? You know, it's a, it's a tough thing. Honor thy father and their mother for children's. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee and that thou mayest live long on the earth. And servants, guys that work for somebody else, I guess I would say. It says, servants to be obedient to their own masters, to please them in well, in all things, not answering again. That's a hard one. Not purloining, but showing good fidelity, that they may adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior, in all things. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men. Now, I don't know if you noticed throughout this whole topic, but a lot of times we were seeing things that the word of God might not be blasphemed or, or, or that type of a thought. And here we were just given um, reasons for doing these things. Uh, you know, not prolonging, but showing good fidelity that we may adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior, in all things. You know, that we might be showing the world that the, our submission to those in authority, showing the world that God's word is true. For closing thoughts, let's look here at Titus 2, uh, 12 through 15. <clears throat> it says, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and Savior, Jesus Christ who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify us unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. So, So thinking at that, the end of all things, you know, as we, you know, we, we, we're not only told to submit to the rulers, but to one another, you know, can I freely, you know, a lot of times in communion we say, if you see a fault in my life, come and share it with me. Do I say that out of truth? Am I willing to have a brother come up and say, Randy, here's something I see that would make a, be an asset if you changed, 
it in your life. Would I, for conscience sake, take that to heart and say, thank you, brother, and then go on with that and maybe meditate on that and maybe make that change. You know, that's submitting to one another in the fear of God. Um, as we work through various things, maybe as when uh, uh, Rodney calls to take a topic, just take that topic and say, yes, <laughs> I don't want it, but I'll take it. You know, submitting yourselves for the edification of the church, for the building of the body of Christ, for a testimony to the world around us. You know, I was stopped in my community and here I am sitting in my car with these blue lights flashing about me, and I don't know who passed me that day or not. I do remember, can I give one more story? <laughs> I do remember racing a friend on the way home from Highway 30, and I got a ticket for that one too. But anyhow, uh, he was drunk and I wasn't. This was after college classes. And I got a $100 ticket for that one too. But the fact was, 10 years later, I'm sitting in this meeting to get a job back at Ford, and this guy makes mention of a fellow that passed, that he passed. I don't remember if I passed him, but was cruising along pretty good. Now, this guy at Ford knew that I was a Christian, and I passed him when I was a Christian. So I had that to live down a little bit. So, you know, uh, the Bible says, be sure your sins will find you out. And if I was a submitting to authority and I was driving 55, I would have never passed this guy, I would have never got that ticket, and I would have never lost a little bit of my testimony. Now, he knew that that wasn't really the type of person I was, but just something to think about. Somewhere along the line, when you're sitting there with those lights flashing, who sees you, you know? And uh, just that just came to my mind to share. There's people that see this, and, you know, we want to see people saved. That might have kept that person out of the kingdom. So... Submitting to authorities isn't a bad thing. Let's stand for closing prayer.